From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! Well, Garth, we're back. From outer space! I just looked here to find you here with that sad look upon your face. Is that because you're in the studio with me at Edge Radio? Yes, and the air conditioning is not so good. (laughs) Well, we made it back, that's the good news... At least the two of us did. Leon, who didn't go anywhere, hasn't managed to get himself to the studio. He's had a big week at work. He has. And all sorts of other things, who knows. But you and I are here to hold up our end of the bargain to produce and present a show about board games, card games, role-playing games, although mostly board games. Hang on. Don't just say a show, Mark. This is the show. The show? And it is the Australian show, the number one podcast and radio show, all about things involving tables, table space, convention centres, people that habit those places, people that love chucking dice just because they've got the urge. That's what the dice people are all about. You are right. We're not just a show, Mark. Come on, give yourself some credit. Well, look, thank you to everyone for joining us this evening for episode 286. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. On the 28th of November, 2019. Now, before we get started, Mm. I want to give a special shout-out to our... I was going to say a good friend of the show. Let's call him the best friend of the show, Richard. Wowzers. That is... That's probably pretty accurate because Richard is... One of the loveliest guys in board gaming, his passion for the hobby, his passion for teaching games and doing an expert job at them, and his passion currently for going to Essendon and having all the fun, Richard, is without equal. So, Richard, we just want to send you some good vibes, man. We know there's been some, some stuff going on and we just want to say we love you. We can't wait to play around a table again with you and your lovely wife. And uh, episode, whatever it is, 286. It's dedicated to you, Richard, and I know you're a cat lover, so this is for you, Richard. Enjoy. This is Richard from Melbourne, and when I want to listen to two guys complaining that the other one is half-assing their research about board games, I listen to The Dice Men Cometh. There you have it, an oldie but a goodie from the Presidents of the United States of America with Kitty, dedicated to our friend Richard. Yes, that is true. Absolutely, and you're with the uh, Diceman Cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM on a Thursday evening. Now, Garth, we got so excited in that intro about talking about Richard and about talking about the fact that we made it back from Canberra LFGS and Unplugged mm. We didn't even tell the listeners what we're going to talk about this week. No, that's true. And surprisingly, Mark, we're going to talk about some games we played at LFG's Essen Unplugged. Now, the trip got off to a bumpy start, it must be said, because, oh, oh, the landing into Canberra in a plane (laughs) that was about the size of your regulation shoebox, oh, was a little bit bouncy. If you want to check out Dice Men Cometh on Facebook... You will see the post where we posted about, oh, did they send the VIP jet to pick up the Dice Men? Because it was about that small. Yes. 
It was, it was fun, though. quite a small plane. As long as you don't mind those giddy heart attacks you get every time there is a, whoa, a bounce on the airplane. Oh, but look, yeah. we're not here to talk about turbulence. We're here to talk about games and games we shall discuss. We got collected at Canberra by another great friend of the show, Renee, who is a king among gentlemen. He has uh, had the privilege of going to Essen for the last several years and this year, in fact, took his, his wife and their lovely daughter, Anna. And he picked us up, took us straight to LFG's Essen Unplugged and said, would you like to play a game? And we said, yes, please. Actually, Garth, you know what he said at the end of the uh, weekend? No. He said this. Hello, everyone. My name is Rene Soria and I listen to the Dice Men every time they don't... Uh, delete the uh, episode. Thank you. <laughs> so what a cheeky bugger that Renee is. I love Renee. He is an absolute king. He's wonderful. And thank you again because they uh, allowed us to stay in their house. Yes. And that's fantastic. So, look, the very first game of the con we played is arguably one of the hottest games out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Not Surprisingly, because it is by designer Wolfgang Vorsch. The Wunderkind. Jawohl, who has designed Quacks of Quedlingburg. We'll call that a little bit of a success. Gunshon Clever. How many hours of your life have been consumed by the Gunshon Clever app, Mark? So many trips to the toilet. Our least favourite game possibly <laughs> of the last couple of years, The Mine. Yes. But lots of people love it. Uh, Doppel. So clever, so twice as clever, which I have and I've played and my son's played and we've loved it and I think I may have played it with you guys, but uh, that's okay. Uh, We also played Illusion. Uh, Sorry, he designed Illusion, which is a tiny little game. He's played a few, made a few games of some note. And the one we're talking about is his big release, which is The Taverns of Tiefenthal. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk about this one. Which I was curious to see because a lot of people had said, oh, well, he's taken this little bit from Quacks and this little bit from Gunchonk Clever, mix them all together, which, you know, usually that's not a re- recipe for success. Well, when thankfully... Designers take... Do you know what game he's not drawn any inspiration from? The Mind. The Mind. Is, yes. So this is an actual game. It is. In this game, up to four players will be creating your own pub. Or, as they say in the game, a tavern. And in this game, you will be wanting to run this tavern with brutal efficiency so that you can make sure every customer that comes into your tavern is served adequately in order to do so. You will need to have enough beer and you'll also need to have enough money because I've worked in pubs and they pretty much only ever run on beer and money. When you sit down at the table, you will be presented with one of the oddest shaped initial starting tableaus, and that's because it's modular. You'll have this weird, I don't know, you couldn't even describe it, could you, Mark, the shape of the the board that you each get, but well, then you'll guess, be adding into it. But I was going to say, by the time you add all the bits in, it's vaguely rectangular. Correct, but it's, it's your initial starting puzzle, and if you can't complete that, step up <laughs> and move to it a different game. It is very puzzle-like, actually. So... You'll create your tavern. You'll have tables, you'll have chairs, you might have a dog sitting in the corner, you might have a cellar, you might have a grumpy-looking person Mm. who bears a remarkable resemblance to another friend of the show, Aos, sitting (laughs) at the bar. Yes, a large-bearded man. And you'll be given your own individual deck of cards, and that's how you'll be starting the base game. Now, it needs to be said 
there are five modules that come with this base game and we're not going to talk about any of them because we didn't play with those. But I will point out what great value for money effectively five mini expansions come with the game to increase your replayability right out of the box, which is another tip of the hat to Wolfgang. Exactly right. So you've set up your board, you've got it, you've got your little individual deck of cards and you shuffle those all up and you're ready to go. The only thing you're missing is some dice. So you get four white dice and you get your own little coaster. Now, that's kind of cool. Yes. Absolutely not required, but kind of cool. And the way this game is going to work is you are going to try and run the best tavern over the course of eight nights. Now, what do I mean by best? Well, the best clearly means the one that's going to result in the most victory points because that's how profit is determined. Mm -hmm. On this game, you're going to start and someone's going to be the first player, figure it out how you like, last player to go and... Blackout at a pub. I don't really care. Let's not encourage that. Drink responsibly, people. Uh, you're going to do that, and then, do you know what you're going to do, Mark? You're going to hope that some customers turn up to your pub? Absolutely. We're not going to go into specifics, but you will be doing a combination of rolling some dice and going, oh, they're not what I wanted, and you're going to be, what do you call it? Deck digging? Deck flipping? Because... In Quacks, you had bag building yep. where you draw out a tile at a time or a little chip every single time and you're trying to make your potion better and better and stronger and stronger and more victorious every single turn. In Taverns, you're taking that bag mechanic and transferring it onto your deck where your deck starts off absolutely piddly and weak. It's got plenty of customers in there, but it hasn't got many boosts to give you the opportunity to give your customers the experience of a lifetime. So you're going to all start with identical decks and you'll start flipping over those cards and you'll flip over a card and it's got a customer sitting at a table. So you'll put that card over the table space mm. of which you have three in your tavern. You'll flip over another card and, oh, my gosh, it's another damn patron who wants to go and join and have a drink in my pub. So you put them into your second table and you've only got one table left. Then you'll draw and, oh, my goodness, it's a waitress. Thank goodness. Fantastic. So you put your waitress in the waitress section and you draw another card and that'll be, oh, I've got a, a cart with a beer on it, so I'll put that in my, uh, my beer section and you'll go through until you've drawn three customers until because every pub tables, starts right. with three tables and then your pub is full. And immediately you go... I don't think I've seen this before. Is this a game that I'm really interested in? Is this something that I want to keep playing? Because already using a deck as this timing mechanic where I'm just putting all of this into the luck of my shuffle, mm. ooh, I'm intrigued. You'll do that. You will then shuffle, uh, sorry, just roll four dice because everyone's going to start with four dice. You'll put them on your coaster and you will then do a round of dry, da, ugh. Dice, dice drafting? drafting. Mm -hmm. So you look at your dice and you go, ah, oh, okay, that one's going to be important and everyone moves the dice around to the left. You take the next one, that goes around the table, in our case, four times because we played with four players. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is about the, uh, the cards that you've played and the board that you are presented with is that in order to do stuff, you've got to put a dice of a particular number on a particular action space. And action spaces are either the cards that you've drawn or the various locations of your tavern. And this is where you go, 
Oh, this has got a game in it. Mm. Because after the first die you pick up and you go, okay, well, I've picked up a two and that's going to allow me to do this thing, you immediately start looking at the player to your right. And what dice have they got and how are they looking? And they've got their fingers hovering over a three and it's like, I need that three. Yes. Don't you dare pick up that three. And then they pick up the three and you're left with a whole bunch of dice that you don't really need. Mm. But you've got to take something. Yep. So you've got these two interesting mechanics straight away. You've got a deck builder, for the lack of a better term, although you're not building a deck as such, you're just flipping it over. And then you've got dice drafting, which is a really cool and fun mechanic because you're just putting a whole bunch of stuff to chance and then relying on your other players to do the right thing by you, which they never will, of course. And you've got, let's say, you've got straight out of the off the bat, you've got a couple of spots that can take any number die. Correct. And give you either uh, a beer. Or a money. Or a money, or moving around the... I don't even know what track it is. There's a track that you move around and get stuff as you sort of, like, every second space you move, you get a reward. So there are, there are a number of ways to spend your dice. However, especially on the, early on in this game, there will be dice that you take and dice that you roll that you have absolutely no use for. And that's a real shame. However, it starts off maybe on your first turn and we go, I don't really have anything to use that for because it's not going to be giving me money that allows me to buy stuff or beer that allows me to but, do anything. But However, no, it gets, are, you, it gets yeah. you options. Yeah, yeah. So, look, we haven't really explained this, but you're going to be using these dice to activate certain parts of your board. And the parts of the board will typically give you either money or beer. And both of those are the main currencies in mm. the game where you need them both because, surprisingly, there are going to be a whole bunch of cards that you can buy yep. to make your deck more potent and, Mark, do you want to take a wild stab at the two main things that these cards that you're going to buy use to purchase them? I think beer. Mm. You'll never guess the other one. Money? Yeah, God damn it. So, yes, beer, for the most part, is going to buy cards that will offer you victory points, plus also an ability. So an ability might be another table at your tavern, which more, is great. More beer, maybe. Or more beer. Or a dishwasher. And a dishwasher allows you to modify a die result. Mm. That's pretty amazing. Or something else. And then you've got money. And money, for the most part, is going to give you more cards in your deck that will give you waitresses. And they're super important yes. because they will give you extra die that you roll and you keep. You don't have to pass them along. They're also going to give you, again, more beer or better value clients. Hang on, Garth. What? If, if I ran a pub, mm. what I would want to do is I'd want to improve things. I'd want to make my beer supply more efficient or my dishwasher work harder or maybe I'd like to hire more waitresses. Well, the good thing is, Mark, in this amazing future that you see for yourself, mm -hmm. in this game you can. So you know how we talked about this board being really funny and you put it together like a puzzle? Well, there's reasons for that. Yeah. And the reason is almost everything is double-sided board technology. So that empty space that was just a dog sitting next to a fire, well, if you pay enough money, you can flip that over and poof, yeah. there's another waitress. Or, you know, those three tables you had at your tavern and they were or, just or filling up. Well, I haven't got to that bit yet. I was, I was trying to expand it. No, but I think where the dog, the bit that the dog 
is on when you flip that over that's the dishwasher no it's the top left it? corner it's a waitress so okay we we'll beg to differ i've lost <laughs> so thank you for interrupting me but you could turn three tables into four yes you could go to the bottom left hand corner and you could flip over an empty space and lo and behold there becomes a dishwasher mm. mark or you could turn over and this one little spot where if you spend a die and it would get you a beer would now get you multiple beers yes yes so you are going to be spending the course of the eight nights in the real game time upgrading your pub, upgrading your deck, and just trying to get the mostest money and the mostest beer that ends up in the mostest points. And it has it has a feeling like Quack Stars where you're doing that push-your-luck mechanic of Absolutely. as long as I don't draw those three cherry blossoms or whatever they, they are. I can the keep, white ingredients. I can keep drawing... But it's not that at all. There is no push your luck to it. What? It's the fact that you just are keep you keep drawing until you fill your tables. That is totally push your luck. No, it's not because you just you draw until your tables are filled. There's no point where you say, "I am going to stop and I won't draw any more," because you might as well just keep going until you fill your table. But the important thing is. You could pull out three cards and your three tables are filled. Oh, I did or that. Or you could pull... Yes, you did often, actually. <laughs> or you could pull out six and seven cards because you've added a beer cart, you've added a beer, you've added a dishwasher, you've added two waitresses. Oh, and then I filled my three tables. You might pull out another table that gets to go to the right of the other tables, which then gives you four tables to fill or five tables or however many tables you, you have. And you really get the feeling of I'm building an engine... But, oops, just bumped the microphone. But the most amazing thing that this game has for me as a massive fan of deck builders is you buy, normally in a deck builder, you spend your hard-earned beer or dollars, you buy a card, it goes in your discard pile, you have to wait till you shuffle through and that comes up again. And it could be, you know, at the very end of what's left of the deck. It could be turns away. Not in this game. You spend your hard-earned beer or dollars to buy a card. And where does it go, Garth? It goes on the top of your deck. I love that! And that is awesome. It Just one tiny change... Flips the deck building genre on its head. And the reason that's awesome is because you actually have control. And the reason you want to have control is because, as you say, Mark, you can have a turn where the first three cards are three tables with people on them and you go, this turn's a dud turn. And I know that the one turn in this game that really stuck with me is it was the second last turn of the game. Mm. And I drew three people in three tables and it was like, oh. I'm going to have a really dud turn when yep. I need I need to get points. And you need to be aware going into this game that luck plays a sizable role in it. And honestly, the only choice you have to mitigate the luck is to be smart with the cards you buy that go on the top of your deck. Yeah, because you know they're going to come out immediately. And Correct. look, what we didn't mention with the waitresses is, yes, every turn you get four white dice, but when you have a waitress... That gives you one die of your colour that you will roll and then you will keep. It isn't involved in the drafting. It's brilliant. So if you have three waitresses, you get three extra dice. It's amazing. 
And then the whole upgrade mechanic, I love it where, yes, there's a cost. You can pay in money to upgrade. But if you've got, so it might cost you, I don't know, 12 gold to upgrade your which waitresses. Which is a lot of gold. Which is it's a, a lot, lot of money. To where your board goes from having a small dog in it, Garth, you were correct. I know. To a permanent waitress that is always there. But if you happen to draw two waitresses, well, instead of costing you 12, it's only going to cost you, let's say, four. Mm-hmm. Or if you draw three waitresses, you can upgrade for free. Yeah. <gasps> And that same mechanic is replicated with the beer wagon and with the dishwasher. So all these things are contributing to the upgrade cost. And once you start to upgrade your board, oh, my goodness, you've gone from a corner pub selling Carlton draft to a veritable New Sydney of Australian craft beer delights at every turn. And look, I think it's pretty fair to say, and any listener would be able to tell by the tones in our voices, we really enjoyed this game. Oh, my goodness. What a start to the weekend. You and I, Mark, both really enjoyed Quacks. Yep. Quacks offered nothing incredibly new, but it offered something streamlined. It offered an interesting theme and just the joy and the frustration of taking that hand out of the bag and seeing a good ingredient or a bad ingredient and the variability that came with it. It was Awesome. It was a really great game. And it's quite a light game. It is. But, you know, thinking back to that BorderCon where we first played Quacks, I played some fantastic games that BorderCon, but I'm pretty sure I rated Quacks as probably my number two or number three game out of the, oh my goodness, you know, 25 games I might have played at BorderCon. It was that good. This takes everything that I loved about Quacks adds something to it, gives me a little bit more gameliness while still maintaining the luck of the the bag draw, in this case, uh, case, the card draw, because if I've added two cards in, well, the cards underneath those two, they're going to be shuffled and therefore I won't know which order they're going to come in. But it just, you feel like you've got that much more control. You feel like you're really building your tavern to create a powerhouse engine, it's it's a fantastic feeling. Yeah, it really is. And as long as you go into it knowing there's going to be some luck, that's fine. That's gaming. The only real player interaction is going to be... I was watching a Man vs. Meeple last night and, uh, okay. and they called it hate drafting, Yes, which is really just taking the die that is not going to be the best for you, but you know it's going to be worse for the player to your left, and that's kind of as interactive as it's going to be, apart from, you know, someone else buys a card that you were hoping to get. Yeah, and you can can look and go, oh, there's a lot of threes out there. I can use threes up the wazoo, but there's only one five. Garth would love to get a five. I can use this five in the spot where I can put any die to just take me one point up that... Monastery track, that's what it is. The monastery track. So I might just take that Correct. five so Garth can't get it. And you're right. That That's the level of interaction. But it's fun. It is. And that's ultimately what it is. Now, we played this in just on an hour and a bit mm. where only one person at the table had played it before and it was Renee, who you, you played the, the little bit for before. So this game is unequivocally recommended by the Dice Bank. Oh, yes. Absolutely. For those of you who like Quacks and for those of you who like Gunshot Clever and for those of you who maybe like the mine, you're more <laughs> than welcome because Wolfgang Vorsch has done a great job with this particular game. 
it offers a bit of something for everybody. It offers strategy. It offers luck. It offers you the ability every so often to just clean the slate and start again, yep. which is great if you do happen to draw the disaster hand, which is three tables and nothing else. It looks good. It'll be out soon if you haven't already been able to order a, or pre-order a copy. And it's quick and it's painless and you will sit there after your first game going, I want to just do that again. Let me have my fill. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it plays so quick that I can see people sitting down and playing two or three games of this in a row yep. because it's so satisfying but it plays quite quickly. Mm. I mean, he's taken two potentially really good games and crafted a great game out of them. Hats off, Wolfgang. That's so for you, Mark, you were the only one of us who played Heaven and Ale last year. <sighs> so <laughs> does this game offer any, like, beer-related goodness for someone oh. who does homebrew and for someone who you know, was really disappointed with Heaven and Ale because you said it didn't feel like anything to do with beer. Well, the thing is, that game was meant to be about making beer and it didn't feel like making beer. Now, I'm a little bit disappointed to say I've got home brewers yep. that I kick-started sitting at home still in shrink. Oh, I've got dice brewing, I think... I've basically got three or four beer-related games <laughs> sitting at home unplayed. It's very disappointing. The thing is, Heaven and Ale didn't feel like making brew, this, uh, making beer. This doesn't feel like making beer, but it does feel like you're running a pub where you're juggling what you can do with your customers, what you can do with your staff, what you can do with your beer, and putting it together in a fun experience that doesn't take a lot of time. Absolutely, because mm. every single patron card that you reveal, if you place a die on them, they're going to give you money. Yeah. And thematically, that is perfect. I'm selling them alcohol, they are giving me money for it. That and is brilliant. Every time you get a person who delivers beer, they are giving you beer. Yes. Which is surprisingly appropriate for the theme, and you then use that beer to buy stuff with. And, and hilariously, Renee made the comment of the one of the starting characters. He called him Lorenzo. It's like, oh, Lorenzo turns up. He takes up a table. He sits there and orders lemon, lime and bitters all night. You're not going to make any money out of that guy. How do you kick him out without being rude? Because you don't want to be rude to people in your pub. No, we... You know, that that's part of the challenge of this game. So, look, I, I had a great time. I expected to like it. I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. Yeah, well, we were sitting around, and this was the first time we were able to play a game with Steve, with whom we played a couple of games mm. over the weekend, lovely bloke. Uh, he had the privilege of winning the game, so clearly <laughs> we didn't play so well. But it was a cracker of a start yep. to LFG's and Unplugged. We had a great time. And I guess that's where we draw the line, because after the break, Mark, we get to listen to you have a chat with Charles, who, who runs the whole shenanigans. So you're with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, and we'll be back after the song. Language warning. Hello, hello, Ignacio Cevicek, Portal Games, and you're listening to the Dice Men Comet. Uh, have a great time. Well, there you go. That was Kate Nash with Take Me to a Higher Plane. We are with the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We went on a higher plane. We did. We went on multiple higher planes. <laughs> and right. thankfully, they became lower planes 
safely and comfortably. Yes. So, look, we were able to play all the games and Mark was able to drag one Charles Bishop, owner of LFG, and head, head, head honcho at LFG's Essen Unplugged and LFG Sydney and has also a major sponsor of BorderCon and yes. a few other major gaming conventions around Australia. You're able to grab him by the shirt collars just because you stood up on your tippy toes because he's one of the few <laughs> he's people a very taller than tall you. man. And you were able to secret him away for a little chat. So, Mark... Okay, so here we are, button. Sunday afternoon at LFG Essen Unplugged and I'm talking with Charles Bishop, the man who's running the show here, done such a fantastic job of getting people here in the room. So, Charles, how do you feel on Sunday afternoon? The usual end of Expo exhaustion. Um, it's been a really good weekend. Certainly this weekend i got a really good feel for what I think is going to be good out there. To me, if a game has been played and then someone's immediately said, can you get a copy of that from me from the store, mm -hmm. then I know we're on to something. Were there some surprises for you, some that were more successful than you thought or more popular and some that were less? Not so much. I had a couple I had my eye on. Um, personally, City of the Big Shoulders, uh, and we played Glenmore Chronicles 2, and mm -hmm. I really enjoyed them because they're my type of game. I think the ones that uh, went really well are Illusion, the little card game. Yes. Um, very, very popular. Uh, and then Parks, I think, is the other one that has been outstanding. We buy a lot of Kickstarters and back a lot of Kickstarters, mm -hmm. and... Uh, we have sort of mixed success with them, uh, but Parks has just flown off the shelf this weekend, probably along with my other little favourite card game uh, ecosystem that I'm really looking forward to getting in the store. Uh, a little fun fun card game, but it has a bit of strategy and enough, enough depth to keep you going. The turnout here, we've had quite a few people here over the weekend. It would have been nice to have a few more. I feel like it's just more about spreading the word for what happens here. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, it's a difficult time of year just because of the lead into Christmas. A lot of people have commitments. Mm. We're down about 20 people. Uh, Guff ran an event last weekend in, Ad in Ballarat. Uh, Advent are running a Mel an event in Sydney. And I think that's probably drawn a few of the people that used to come here away. But we still, I think overall, we sold around about 120 or 130 tickets that translated to about 80 people in the room per yeah. day. And I think last year we were at about 100, so we're probably 20 down. But good vibe in the room. People played day till night, and, I mean, that's really the, the end outcome is to catch up with, with friends. We've had people here from uh, Albury, Cootamundra, Sydney, broad range of people coming down still. I think we just keep building it nicely like it's going. Yeah, look, thank you so much for having us this weekend. I certainly feel like there's no other place that I can go get these titles that are literally hot off the plane from Essen that I'm just reading about on Board Game Geek one day. Here I'm playing them. That's that's an amazing feeling. Yeah, it is. And I think um, we've, got to, we've got to tweak the model slightly because the industry is changing significantly. Mm. You know, what's one of the hottest games this year is probably Wingspan. Yes. It came out in March. You know, there is no longer a an Essen cycle that culminates in Essen. Um, it still works in a Christmas sense. It still works in a Kickstarter fulfilment sense. But we've got to be probably on tune more through the year and run a year-long review. Yeah. More of a, you know, maybe 2020 review that says what were the, the top list games that came out this year and get them in a room. Okay. And, and retail sales, you've obviously sold quite a few games this weekend. Yeah, that's really the purpose for me, particularly for this event, because it's partly marketing, connecting the store to the community. Yep. Yeah, I think I sold 20 or 30 games, nothing significant, but I brainly bring them over here so that people can have a take-home yeah. novelty if they, if they look at something and go, that was really good. Well, look, I think for anyone who is in Canberra or the surrounding area who hasn't, firstly, 
checked out lfg-oz.com.au, check out your online store and retail store. But secondly, to come here to, well, whether it's the East Lake Football Club or not, next year we don't know, but to come and check out this event, yeah. I think they'd, they'd be missing out if they don't at least check out what it's here for because it's a great opportunity to play these great Essen releases. Yeah, and I think um, it's a heavy gamers event. Yes. It's, LFG Sydney is about bringing gamers together, but also families and things like that. It's probably 50-50. Here it really is people who are gamer gamers and um, looking for that opportunity to play the new things and go, I like that, I don't like that. Because games, we, as we know, are not necessarily a good or a bad game. Mm. It's does it fit my group, does it fit me as much as anything. I mean, City of Big Shoulders took us nearly seven hours on our first wow. run through. Never felt like we were sitting at the table. It was yeah. just amazing. But if I showed that to my wife, she would just go, I don't think so. Where's the ecosystem? <laughs> uh, fair enough. And look, the additional challenge that people face here is take a box out of shrink, yeah. punch it out, and then That smell, sit. that sweet smell of punched cardboard. Yeah, but then also sit down with the rule book and basically teach yourself because it's not like you can go as in other conventions where there are people who have already played it. There's very few people here that have played most of these games. Yeah, and, and I think over the weekend that sort of accelerates. You see by Sunday people are going, I know how to play that one. Yeah. So I think the other thing we're doing here is building a, a knowledge base of people for the more current games to actually teach back in their community groups and things like that because they've come here yeah. and they've been fast-tracked on learning as opposed to one person having to learn and then just take it to one group inside the club that might not necessarily teach other groups. Yeah. So we get quite a ripple through here. Awesome. Well, look, thank you again for having us here. We've really enjoyed it. We've played so many games. What's next for LFG? Christmas time. <laughs> Christmas time is the big time. Um, and then next year, looking at the tournaments, we currently run the national titles for Settlers. LFG Sydney will be up in the middle weekend of July. Yep. This will be up. We will, at this stage, all my inclination are that we will come back here and run this again. Awesome. This, um, this has been, despite numbers being down slightly this year, it's been a really good weekend and a really good vibe. I think cementing those and then working out what else needs doing and what else within the industry actually we could contribute yeah. to. But yeah, Christmas is next and then, yeah, we'll see you after that. Look, thank you so much as well, I should say, for your sponsorship of the Nice right. Cometh. We really appreciate it and obviously helping us to get here this weekend. Yeah. Um, we're very excited to have all three Dice Men at LFG Sydney yep. next year. Until then, Charles, thank you so much for everything and congratulations on a great event. Yeah, thanks very much. And I think, uh, thank you guys for making the trip up and for continuing. I mean, we're all essentially volunteers within this industry. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, a couple of people that might make some money out of it, but the vast majority of us do it because we love the hobby. Yep. And so the sponsorship from me to you guys was just saying thanks for the commitment. And we just keep doing what we can to keep getting the word out to more and more people. Uh, because we had, one of the things we did have here today was a lot of families with their sort of eight, nine, ten-year-old kids. And that's a target of our store. And so good to see them coming from the store to brave coming to play yeah. brand new games as opposed to sitting in the store with their friends and playing games they yeah. know. So that, to me, is very heartening as well. Fantastic. So have a safe trip home. Thanks, Charles. See you All later. Right, see you, mate. There you have it. That was I chatting with Charles Bishop. He's such a lovely gentleman. So tall. One of the few people that I have to look up to in the <laughs> hobby, that's for sure. Um, and look, we do have to really thank him as our newest and greatest sponsor so far of the Dice Men Cometh, getting us up to Canberra, getting us in the door there, helping us get accommodation with Renee 
And as we said, we're very excited that all three Dice Men are going to be going to LFG Sydney Absolutely. in uh, July or August next year. It's one to put into your calendars. Jump on lfg-oz.com.au and you can find out details of that. Absolutely. But it was a, it was a great weekend. As he said, you know, the numbers maybe were a little bit down because... There's a lot of bushfires happening around Australia at the moment. There are a couple of other stores that have recently run similar type events in in Sydney. I think maybe in Ballarat, Ballarat was another one. Yeah. But certainly for us, it was a great opportunity to see and play a heap of very new titles that had come straight from Essen. Absolutely. And for me, who had been to the, the last one uh, last mm. year, it was great to be able to reconnect with a whole bunch of gamers and, uh, you know, some who are listeners, which is fantastic, yeah. and, and be able to just sit down, play some new stuff. And, and one thing that sort of wasn't mentioned uh, there, that there's a hell of a lot of light games that come out of Essen. Oh, yes. And some of the most fun, not when I'm saying stuff wasn't fun, but fun in terms of just laughing with your mates. Yes. Well, these light party games like Team 3, which was Awesome! I read about this game. I had, I didn't know about it. I had seen it in a couple of photos of Renee, who obviously bought some of the stuff back from Essen and some of the other stuff was shipped back. So I saw it in his photos and did a bit of a Google search. I was like, this sounds interesting, Garth. Tell us about Team 3. So Team 3 is a three or six player game. And over the course of this particular game, you've got the builder... And the builder is the only one who knows what's being built. The only problem is they can't talk. Yes. And that's player one. Player two is the middle monkey. And the middle monkey can say whatever they want, but what they have to do is interpret the gestures of the builder, however the builder chooses to make gestures to them. Mm. The builder can do everything, basically, as long as it doesn't involve talking or pointing to a whole bunch of pieces on the board which is where the third player comes into this, which is the constructor, and they will be building a thing based on the middle monkey's instructions, and that all seems all good and well, except they're blind. They can't see anything at all. They've got their eyes closed, and there are a whole bunch of, well, you inaccurately called them Tetris pieces. Well, they are vaguely reminiscent of Tetris. Anyone who's played Tetris would understand what these pieces are, although Tetris pieces apparently only contain exactly four squares. That's right. So they are poly... Polyominoes. Polyominoes. Uh, and you've got your typical Tetris-style shapes. Um, but the builder will have a... Kind of like in code names, where they got the, the person who knows which, which pairs they're trying to match up. They'll have this structure that they're trying to build. They will be making a whole bunch of gestures to the middle monkey, and the middle monkey will be saying to the builder, grab the green snake. I know. Or can you grab the yellow W? Get the pink cross. Forgetting that, obviously, the constructor is completely blind in this and doesn't see mm -hmm. colours because their eyes are closed. So you'll be moving and fondling and... Fondling, fumbling your hands all over the table trying to find these right-shaped pieces, putting them in the right orientation, basing, basing it on. Is the, is the monkey in the middle telling me to flip something or rotate something? And what does flip mean versus rotate? <laughs> yes. Lots of discussions about that. We had a long discussion about what is flip, what is rotate, what is turn. Yeah, and look, the pressure of the game is that you've only got three minutes to go 
and construct this damn shape, whatever it be. And there are three decks in the game and they are easy, medium and hard. You'll choose the deck that you want to do and you just... It's one of those games that you play, theoretically there is a target, but you just play until it stops being yep. fun. And what we did is we thought, oh, this would be a bit of fun once or twice. Mm -hmm. And we ended up playing it for about an hour or two because you get people come along and go, oh, can I have a turn? And you go, absolutely, you can have a turn. Yep. Because even though every game only uses three people, because each round goes for three minutes, you just go, I was the builder, jump in, take the builder spot, yes. and I'll wait until the constructor bit is free because mm -hmm. I haven't done that for a while. It was awesome. And the game was like 35 or 38 bucks, and you are guaranteed hours of fun with that. And the other thing is if you buy two copies... You can play two teams against each other competitively. Yeah, and it comes very similar to Railroad Inc. It comes in a pink version and a green version, yeah. where the only difference is the colour of the cards, but if you like pink over green or the other way around, you can get that. And look, let's just say we only played in two dimensions, Yes. and there is an expansion that comes with the game that introduces the third dimension, which... Oh, my goodness, how crazy I can't even it. imagine that. You would have to really figure out your flips first, your rotates before yeah. you enter the third dimension. And look, a couple while we're talking about quick games, a couple more quick games that... Now, were these AOS's games or did he just introduce us to them? They were a couple of Oink games. Oh, okay. One yeah, yeah, called yeah. Nine Tile Panic. Oh, that was your favourite. That I had never come across before. And never want and to come probably across. never want to again because <laughs> I was not good at it. And another one called Bandido, which was reminiscent of that... Um, saboteur. Saboteur game. But that's not an we, oink game. That's the thing you've got to understand. It's, it looks and sounds and smells and feels like an oink game. Bandido. But it isn't. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. There you go. So Nine Tiles Panic is a game for two to five players where you each get nine tiles, surprisingly. Yeah. Each of those tiles are double-sided, and over the course of the game, you'll be trying to make a three-by-three three city grid. The tiles have curvy roads on them. They'll have some citizens, so a boy or a girl or a dog or something on them. And every game, and I think it's made up over a number of rounds until someone reaches a certain score, yep. there'll be three conditions that you're trying to meet. So your city might be the longest road and your city might be the most aliens and your city might also need um, the most couples and a couple will be as many tiles as you can have where there is an equal number of boys and girls on mm. them. And you then go, when someone says, start, you flip over your tiles and you're trying to make this three-by-three three grid and you go blah, 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 and then the first person to, to, to do a job that they think is satisfactory grabs the number one tile and flips a timer. So they have immediately signified, I'm the first player because I take the number one yep. and started the ticking time down by flipping over the egg timer, and that's where the panic starts to set in, <laughs> yes. especially if you are Mark. Yes. And uh, you then come pretty close to last, yes. if not last. <laughs> and that was enjoyable for a weekend where I came last a lot. couple but of those... game. Yeah, the, those quick little games. Now, Garth, I think we might take a very quick break. Absolutely. And then come back and mention a couple of the other games that we played at LFGSN Unplugged. So you are with the Dicemen Cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, proudly sponsored by LFG-Oz.com.au. We'll be back shortly. Garth. Hey, Mark, how are you going? I am well, but you know what? Because it's Thanksgiving, I'm feeling really thankful for all those people that support us 
on Patreon. Whether it's as little as a dollar or whatever people want to spend, that money goes towards us, mostly traveling to board game conventions. You can come back, play those amazing interviews that I record, <laughs> uh, so they can hear what it's like at those conventions, hear about the latest games, what Australian designers are doing, hear all the news from around Australia. Absolutely. So look, as our way of saying thank you to every one of our existing, hopefully new Patreon backers, mm. we're going to run a competition. Yes. Now, this competition is our way of saying thanks because we love doing this. We do. But we love to be able to do it a little bit more. And we do use every dollar that comes through Patreon, goes back into the show. We get to travel. We get to create more content. Don't make any money on this because that's just not the kind of people we are. Not at all. But exciting news, Garth. Not only are we going to give away at least 10 games. Woohoo! to our Patreon supporters. The big prize is a Kickstarter-exclusive edition of Ignace Trezicek's Predator Porter from Portal Games that you heard us review just a few shows back. Now, disclaimer, some of these games will be games that we will have played, so they won't be in shrink. No, but that's extra value, though, isn't it? Absolutely. They have been touched by a dice man. And obviously, with the Predator Porter, we've already learned enough about fashion. We don't need it anymore, and we want to get it in the hands of listeners. Yes, but so at least 10 games, all you need to do is be a Patreon supporter as of midnight on the 24th of December. That's Christmas Eve. And you've agreed to do the checking at midnight, haven't you, Mark, on Christmas Eve? Because, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I might be busy, and Leon will be, I don't know, doing something that Leon does. So look, all you've got to do to be able to be eligible to win one of 10 prizes at least, as Mark said, become a Patreon backer, or if you're already one, you're already in the competition, but you can go to patreon.com forward slash Cometh, or quite simply go to dicemencometh.com and press the big Become a Patron button, and the work's almost all done for you. That's all you need to do, and you will reap the rewards and we will reap the benefits. Thank you so much to those people who already support us. Hopefully this might bring some new supporters. But whatever, we're going to give away games. Absolutely. And on that note, back to the show. Hi, my name is Anna. And I really enjoy playing with the Diceman Commerce and listening to their podcasts. Woohoo! Oh, isn't that quite sweet? Uh... We really enjoy playing games with you as well, Anna. We so did. Anna is Renee's and uh, Martha's daughter. And she is nine years old with a 40-year-old gaming brain. <laughs> she is damn good yep. as a gamer. So you do not let age deceive you. Garth. What? She's 11. Oh, who She's knows? growing up so oh, fast yeah, she's right same before age as our son. eyes, yes. She looks like she's about the size of my daughter, but same age as my son. Anyway... <laughs> Mark, Garth. we got four topics that Leon said he was going to ask us if That's he could be bothered right. to turn up. So let's do his job for him. All right. Where are we starting? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, you want to talk about what was the... the, the no, that's not a good no, impersonation. Um, so Leon asks us, what was your dad of the con, Garth? Oh, that is so easy. Yeah, I, I think we're going to agree on this It is the bestest, one. easiest one. And unfortunately, it is by designer Asker Harding Granarad, designer of... 
13 days, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which you and I really enjoyed. Yeah. Copenhagen, which is meant to be really good and we haven't played. And Flom Rouge, which is amazing. favourite games. But unfortunately, he's really hit it not at all anywhere near approaching a ballpark. In fact, it was a strikeout for me. We are talking deep blue. Now, look, I will cut him a little bit of slack because you and I played it just the two of us. We're looking for a quick game to play over lunch. While we ate our lunch until we started a proper game. Yep. And the thing that struck me straight away was with two players, firstly, this game was boring. Yep. Because it is push your luck around diving and you do want to have preferably three people going on a dive where the push your luck element sort of kicks in. I don't know. Look, it looks gorgeous. It looks gorgeous as it should do because it's days of wonder. Yeah. But, ah, oh, I really wanted this to be good. Yeah. The theme sounded interesting where your rival captain's going to various spots in the ocean to dive for treasures, but it's just not. We never even got to finish the game because we were so unimpressed. But, Garth, correct. what was your surprise of the con? Oh, I'm going to ask you first because I just went first with the duck. Okay, well, my surprise was... Ragusa, which is a city-building, area control and resource management game. Now, if you didn't know, Garth, Ragusa is an ancient medieval city, well, ancient 15th century or so, that is now known by the name of Dubrovnik, Ah. where the summit of the Game of Thrones was set. Yeah. And, you know, it has that sort of very Euro feel of little wooden buildings going out on a hex-based map, Again, you know, as we said, one of the things about this con is you've got to be prepared to sit down and teach yourself these games because no one has played them. No. And we started to run the rule through the rules with our friend Aos and our friend Joe and for a little while our friend Cam. And by the end of the rules explanation, Cam said, yeah, okay, I'm out. He did a Leon. And I didn't blame him because it sounded boring. Did it ever. But once we hit about turn three... Well, we actually realised how this game worked and the little rondelle around the hex mechanic of if someone goes on the hex where you already are, it triggers you to basically get let you have your action again. This is a fantastic game. Really surprised me just from the look of it, but we had a ball with this game. Did we ever? And, geez, it was tempting to just go and set it up and start again. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those games. Now, Gareth, now quickly, oh, spiritual yes. success, oh, successor yes. to Ragusa, Venice is on Kickstarter now. So okay. if you like it, check Look, out Venice. Garth, we've got one more minute. All right. What was your game of the con? In terms of fun, there were quite a few. Uh, QE, quantitative mm. easing, oh, was, was so, so much fun. Yeah. But the game I enjoyed so much was just City Skylines. It was oh, brilliant. Yes. It was the game that I've been looking for that takes your Sim City builder mm-hmm. and makes it cardboard. I love suburbia. Suburbia scratches a very different itch to what Cities Skylines yep. does. I am stoked with that. I hope we get to talk about it. My game of the con, Artemis Project, a dice worker placement where you're building competing pol- uh, colonies, competing colonies on Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter. Played it with our good friends Terry and Marion, Terry and Marin, as well as Sam. It's always a good game when you beat Terry or Marin because they normally ace it. I wouldn't know. And I pulled out a win. Um, there's a lot going on in that game, but it was a lot of fun. We might talk about some of these other games, I think, over the next few weeks. We've played so many great games, but as usual, Garth, 
We didn't need Leon here to help us because we ran out of time. <laughs> As always, so look, thanks so much to Charles and LFG for, you know, sponsoring us to get up yeah. there. Thanks for the wonderful event. Thank you to all the lovely listeners who came up and said hello. Thanks for everyone for playing games with us. We can't wait to do it all again next year. We've been the Dice Men Cometh. We'll be back next week. And we've got oh, a competition coming up, which is pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. So Listen out to this episode. That. You'll hear some details. But we'll be back soon. Bye. Ooga. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.